All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I hate to break the fishing news up here, Chuck, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations, you're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for, like, an orgasm. Might want to mark that down. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. Welcome in. Episode 214 of the Real Life Podcast. I am Tyler Uremchuk, joined by Bagged Milk. Jay, oh, and there's Chalmers. I was just about to say in the intro that, you know what? At some point, Chalmers is going to show up in this episode. Josh Park is here as well. As always, this episode brought to you by Japa Machinery. You know what's still going? Their promotion for 10% off their book rates for equipment rentals. Check them out, japamachinery.com. Always got to give some love to Japa to start the podcast. Like I said, episode 214. What comes to your mind when you think of the Oilers and number 14? Oh, sorry. Producing in the playoffs. Sorry, I had you uh, muted. You have to repeat that. Jordan Everly not producing in the playoffs. Back ah. cheese, curly, long locks. That's me too. What? Mackie, man. He had no oh, bucket. Oh, Mackie. Ever heard of him? No, I didn't, hear the fir- I didn't hear the first part of what you said. I thought you said something about cheese. I was like, that makes no fucking sense to me. Um, yeah, Mackie is also a cheese guy. Yeah, big cheese guy. How about Ebbs? Yeah, he's good a guy. Scoring big goals at Rogers Place wearing orange and blue. What a time to be alive. Rafi Torres KOing people yeah, in his Rafi. time here. Who else were number 14 uh-huh. at Edmonton? Yanni Rita. Yeah, that's a good number 14. Wow. Matt Lindgren in 1999. Oh, I love me some Matt Lindgren back in the day. Mm-hmm. You're All right. memories. Esatikin in before he changed to 10. Whoa, that's a deep pull. Didn't even Thank know you. that. Yeah, that's a good pull. Thank you. All right, well, that uh, we're going to start with Oilers talk today because we really haven't done some Oilers talk in a long time. And uh, I don't mind just cranking it up here, unloading the clip and talking about some of the big rumors that are flying around right now. I have my rumors blog up on the site right now. Uh, Frank Saravalli had a new sort of trade bait board piece with some bad contracts that could be moved. And when it comes to the Oilers, and I believe Frank even said this on uh, TSN last week, the name that keeps popping up is Athanasiu. And we've talked about him a bit, but today Frank basically said the Oilers don't want to touch him if they have to qualify him at $3 million. So that's leading people to believe the Oilers are going to try to trade him. Well, every team the Oilers try to trade him to is going, why would we give you an asset when we know you're not going to qualify him? 
and you're probably just going to make him an unrestricted free agent right away anyways. Like, the the Athanasiu thing is fascinating. Uh, I'll, I'll just kind of open up the floor here. Anyone have a take on what could potentially be happening with double A here in the next two, three weeks? Yeah, I see the Oilers getting a sixth-round pick for him Jeez. for the rights to, to sign him, and I'm going to be super bummed about it because it's another instance of the reverse paperclip, but one that we don't have any control of because of a fucking global pandemic. Yeah, wow. I, think, I think that's kind of the frustrating part is like at the time everyone's fired up about the trade because it looks like Athanasiu is going to be, you know, bring some speed to the top nine, some scoring, all that stuff. He gave up two seconds, but we thought we were going to have him for 20 regular season games in a playoff and then probably be able to re-sign him since he's an RFA. And the pandemic just really fucked that up. Now, have we heard anything from his side or all the speculation that we're having on the outside. Well, just to steal another quote from Sarah Volley, he basically said today that if Athanasius camp came out and said, we're open to signing for less than that $3 million qualifying offer, then the Oilers would have no problems with it and they'd, they'd make a deal work. But that hasn't happened yet. I think Athanasius camp knows they can get 3 million somewhere. Why? Here's the thing with Athanasius. I was pumped when the Oilers got him at the deadline. Like if, even I remember talking about it at HQ around the table. We were all fired up. This is the kind of trade that we want to see the Oilers make for a thousand years now. But he also put up 26 points this past season. So three million bucks for 26 points isn't exactly a great ROI. If you know what I'm saying? That's like a million dollars a point. Basically, Tyler, does that math work out? What? <laughs> Tyler's a big math guy. Yeah, Tyler's our math guy. Yeah, 10,000 hours or whatever. I fucked up that time with Jack Michaels. That was good. So it's just it's just frustrating that he looked like he was going to be part of the future. And even Ken Holland said in one of his uh, COVID pause availabilities that he did over Zoom that at the time they thought that they were trading for him with a cap for next season that was going to jump up by three or four million bucks or wherever it was supposed to be. Now it's flat and it's kind of like, ah, shit. Man, I'll tell you one thing, though. In hindsight, COVID hindsight, that uh, Zach Cassian deal is hurting even more. Oh, that sucks. That midseason deal. Oh. The Oilers got burnt by COVID in a handful of ways. Like, one, they didn't get a bye because they missed out on by, like, one point on getting a bye through the qualifying round. The Cassian deal, if they would have waited until now to do that deal, Cassian's probably signing, what, a two-year deal at $2 bucks. Instead of a four-year deal at 3.2, the Athens CU trade and all those moves to bolt load up at the deadline, Mike Green getting hurt and then not coming, like all of it just really screwed them over. Okay, before we move away from Athens CU, yeah, I yeah. feel like I might be in I might be in the minority here when I say that like I have a tough time moving on from this guy already, even if they do want to qualify him at three mil, because of the fact that like he's coming from a team and he's coming from a season where he was expected to just go out there and play his style of play, whatever he wanted to do, right? Coming from the Red Wings, they're a dead last team. Of course, last season he was dash 45. But at the same time, you can't expect him to come in and easily transition. He's still a somewhat young player, 26 years old. His first trade, coming to a team, and they slot him into the top six and expect him to produce with the best player in the NHL right off the bat. Of course, it's going to take a little bit of time for him to adjust. And I don't know, I'm in the mindset that I think that they should qualify him at 3 mil, or if they can sign him for a little bit less, they should, because legitimately, he put up 30 goals in an NHL season yeah. once, in a full season. So, I don't know, I just think the upside is, is bigger than what you're going to get if you try to trade him at this point. The, the, I'm with you, buddy. I wish, yeah. I wish that they would do that, but I just, like, with the cap space they have, and Ethan Bear needs a new deal, and, 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 and I just, like, I feel like they're going to walk away and get nothing, and it's just going to be another Hall of Fame trade loss. And that's, this one's not Uncle Ken's fault. It's a product of circumstance, but, like, man. Yeah. Well, let's see if Uncle Ken can move out some salary. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I'm, I agree with you. I don't hate the idea of Athens CU on this team at $3 bucks if he's going to give you a really good third-line wing option that can maybe even click in the top six. But Ken Holland's got to do some dancing here. He's got to get Russell out. He's probably got to get rid of Chase on and Kara as well if he wants to bring back Athens to CU. And it can be done. Like, I think Chase on is a 29-year-old who has, you know, experience on winning teams before he came to Edmonton, only $2.1 million, And he can give you, you know, reliable third-line minutes and also help you out on your power play. I think he can move Chase on. I, with Russell, the fact his salary is so low compared to his cap it, 
I think he could probably move on from Chris Russell as well. And if he can get rid of those two, then I think it changes things on the Athanasiu front. But then you're also fighting the clock a little bit because you need to decide by October 7th if you're going to trade Athanasiu or not. And to do that, well, you need to clear out this cap space, which means you need to clear out the cap space before October 7th. So I wouldn't be surprised if, I'm not saying in the next week here, but I think towards the end of September and the beginning of October, we could see a flurry of moves around the Oilers as Ken Holland might need to, he might need to work fast is what I'm saying. Well, teams are already making moves, right? Teams are already making moves, right? So I'd love to see Uncle Ken jump in the mix here. Tyler, I want to present you with this question. When it comes to Ethan Bear, what do you expect that deal to look like? Do you think it's going to be kind of similar to, obviously it's going to be a little bit less money, but do you expect kind of a bridge deal situation similar to what happened with Darnell Nurse? Yeah, so like when Nurse was coming off his ELC, that deal he got was, wasn't it like 3.2 a season? Yeah, it was 3.2 a season coming off his ELC. So I I don't think Bear's getting that much because of the flat cap, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a one or two year deal around like, two million dollars does that sound right yeah yeah i could look i could see it being something like that i would expect him to want two years if i had to predict i could predict it to be something like two by 2.2 two by 2.3 something like that oh it's we're such we're in such a victim of circumstance because like wouldn't it be great to like lock him up at like seven by four and a half yeah but again like unless you're Trading you out to see you and trading all that cap yeah, out, it's, just, it's so That's hard. That's the shitty thing. We can't. But, like, here is a time to just lock that guy in and and just have him in, like, three years from now just be, like, just, like, going to bed with a smile on your face knowing that's what his contract is. Well, it was, like, with Clefbaum, too, right? Like, they pay him at the time, and then quickly, like, a year after that Clefbaum deal was signed, it was like, oh, shit, this is legitimate value. And now they still have him for three more years. And that's probably what it would have ended up being with Ethan Bear as well. If you could have signed him for four mil, it might have been like, ooh, taking a risk. But I believe next year he's going to prove that he's absolutely a top four D-man and that deal's quickly going to look like a bargain. But it just can't happen, and that's what sucks here. If we were sitting here and the pandemic never happened, well, we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd be sitting in the basement at Little Brick recording this all as one big happy family. But we wouldn't be sitting here going, oh, the Oilers have 10 million cap space. We'd be sitting here being like, oh, they have like 15, 16 million to spend. Uh, what are the other areas that was... Yeah, I'll go to Jesse Pugliarvi first. Because Jay, actually, I don't even think... like this. The news has been out for a while here that it, it's looking like he's open to coming back to Edmonton. And you were kind of the first insider on that one. Um, so you, inside. So inside. What do you expect from him? Like, Do you still think he's coming over? And what do you expect from him next season? Well... If he's smart, he comes over. Like like yeah. all the things you hear, they've got a handshake agreement where they'll sign a deal and try and see what it looks like. And if it's not working out, then there will be a trade. But like right now, Yessi Pugliarvi is playing hockey on a goddamn curling rink. It's like, embarrassing. I love that rink, by the way. Play on <laughs> some real ice for, for just for, like just that alone. And then also maybe have a chance to play with Connor McDavid. And if you could put up 40 or 50 points, or maybe even more, depending on how well you can gel with uh, with ninety seven. Like, like there's only there's only upside uh, for him to come here and give it a try. Uh, so the expectations are like, if he can put up forty or fifty points, we're gonna love pool party. We're I gonna love he, it. I think even it, it's not even gonna be that high, and we'll love pool party. If he hits thirty points, I think a lot of people will be pretty pumped with him. Yeah, if he can score 15 goals, I'll be excited. Because the, the, the like, thing is, the the funny thing is, but first of all, I got to say, I love that fucking rink with the curling sheets on it. It's the best. Think of all the face-off opportunities. You could have them all over the ice if you wanted to. But the, I, I just can't. I know preseason and it's Finland and blah, blah, blah. But 24 points in 14 games, you kind of look at it and you go, whoa. Yeah. What's going on with this dude? So the reason why they were playing in a curling rink yesterday in Finland because they were playing like a Div 3 team. So that's, that's Div 3 ice. But the fries are unreal. So it goes, it, oh, yeah, it goes like Liga Hockey, then it goes Bandy, then it goes Curling, then it goes Div 2 Hockey, then it goes Ice Dancing, then it goes Div 3 Hockey. That's the priority there. Jesus. 
that's pretty far down the totem pole. Well, and that's why you play on a curling ring. Okay, and that's why I'm, like, I have a problem. I know Dustin does it partly to be funny, but, like, Nielsen tweets out every time Puyuyarvi does anything. And it's like, okay, I think we need to take these numbers here with a bit of a grain of salt. And people keep, like, yeah, it'd be great if he clicked with Connor or with Leon, but I, I still don't see that happening. Like, I think he's going to come here, and if you trade a guy like Chase on, like, Puyuyarvi steps into that slot on the third line, and that's sort of my expectation is for him to be, like, a 30-point third-liner. And to, and I know people get mad when you say, oh, he's got a... Why does he have to earn it, but no one else does? But, like, there's an extent here where I go, I kind of still want to see him prove he can drive play at the NHL level before I just gift him a spot in the top six. I know it's a well, number to give him a shot. I think you have to give him a shot. The one... The, the thing... The most important thing that's happening right now with him in Finland, it's... Remove the points aside. Like, who cares? Because uh, it's apples, oranges, NHL, the Liga. Everyone knows that. It's like apples to freaking cherry tomatoes. Like, it's a different genre altogether. Love but, cherry tomatoes. Uh, I guess, tra- and you know what? I fucked up because, you know what? Tomatoes are a fruit. So, it's it's a apples to broccoli comparison. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, but the biggest thing that's happening here is he's getting his confidence back. So, that's the most important thing. So, he's going to come back to Edmonton in a much better mental state. And as long as we don't fuck with him like we did last time, uh, and, you know, we give him a fair shot and he gives us a fair shot, then we can actually really see where he's at. So the one thing the Finland experiment is doing, it's just making him feel comfortable. So those point totals, like you want to see him scoring because that's happy pool party. We want a happy pool party. Well, and I'm looking at the Oilers' right wing positions last year and the highest scoring right winger they had was Zach Cassian at 34 points. Now, if Kaylor Yamamoto played the whole season, he'd probably pass that. No, I get that. But could there's a realistic opportunity that Puliarvi comes in here and scores more than 34 points, or at the very least, more than Chason's 26, or 24, I should say, or Archibald's yep. 21. I think if he comes in here and scores you some points in the middle six, then people are going to be pretty pumped with him. 100%. Yeah. What do you make of the Ryan Rashog tweet where he said he still thinks there's an equal chance that he's here or that he's traded before next season? Like, it is much, it, you know, we're being optimistic about what his expectations would be, but is there an offer out there that you go, you know what, I'd pull the trigger on that? Like, if a team calls you and says, we'll give you a mid-second rounder and throw in a fourth, would you do that? Well, here's the thing. Uh, is looking at the upcoming draft, the Oilers only have one pick in the first four rounds. So I can... I can see why Uncle Ken would look at trading Puliarvi to try and recoup some of those draft picks. Because yeah. right now they don't have it. The yeah. second yeah. rounder we talked about, Ashton to see is gone. The fourth Thing rounder is, though, was we, for two uh, games of Mike Green. We need to turn him in. We need to turn him into a roster player. So either we trade him for uh, another team's version of Puliarvi on a reclamation project for, that needs to change the scenery. Because like, I can I keep fucking iterating this. The time is now. So getting draft picks, unless we're using them to turn them into active roster players or current NHLers, is doesn't doesn't make sense to me. Like we need to, our window to win is now. So we need to turn this into people who either is going to be a scratch ticket to benefit our roster yeah. or something bona fide. Like, and I don't care if it's like a uh, you know a solid third or fourth liner, but like. The, this is what we need to start doing and the way we need to start thinking because if we start, oh, no, we're going to draft and draft. Like, we're just going to, like, live in this kind of purgatory of being okay and just relying, you know, on Connor and Leon to just drag us into the playoffs and be early exits. Like, let's start getting our depth and let's start leveraging our future to get and establish the roster that we need because we've got Connor McDavid on it and Leon Dreisaitl. Well, and Connor's going into his sixth NHL season. They, they got to win now. That's why it kind of bothers me yeah. a lot when I see some people talking about the, how the Oilers should tra- uh, draft Askarov in the first round of this this coming draft. I love the idea of getting a goalie that could be a franchise goalie, but that's not going to happen for years. So to me, that's not even an option right now. See, and I'm going to disagree with you guys a little bit on this because the idea of winning now is great. But I think in today's NHL, that's how, if you focus too much on winning next year, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And the Oilers have Connor McDavid under contract for six more years, Leon Dreisaitl for five more years. They should be just... But it's, as- not, it's not trying to win next year, though, Tyler. It's, it's we have a five-year window. Yeah. And 
making like like developing and stuff that takes you know two three four seasons so like we just like i i, I we don't want to waste this window and so i'm not saying waste the window like i think they should go out and you know get a good goaltender this offseason get an upgrade at third line center but when it comes to you know potentially trading a guy like puyarvi for a second round pick like the way getting the goalie getting the third line center that helps you win next year but the way you're going to win in years three, four, five, and six of that window is by having guys you picked in the first or second round come up and do what Kyler Yamamoto just did, which is give you legitimate top six minutes on a bargain contract. It's going to be by getting guys to do what Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones did, where you draft these guys late and they pop up. And that that's how Tampa Bay still finds ways to win. You know, their window's been open for, it feels like a decade now, but they find Tax ways to win. free state. Tax-free state; those guys are all on discount deals. No, they're they're not they, all they're, on they're discount deals. Team. They're on a cap team that if they were if they were in Canada, I bet you their 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 contract value would be close to a hundred million bucks. That's the advantage. And yes, they've got some people on some uh, some uh, some young guys on some cheap contracts, but like that's why Stammer signs what he signed. That's why Point signs what he signed. That's why Vas- Vasilevsky, even though he's going to like nine million or something signs what he signs like we can't compete with that see and i i just like i do agree the tax-free thing is something the nhl has to figure out and i wish they would have in the last cba but there's not too too many guys on tampa where you say that's a mega mega bargain ryan mcdonough at 6.75 is not a bargain vashilevsky at nine and a half that's he's the third highest paid goalie in the nhl that's not exactly a bargain because he is a top he's goalie nine in the NHL. next season He's nine and a half next, next season, season. Yeah, and they are in trouble. But like you know, they they gave a lot of money to guys like Killorn Johnson, Gord, Palat, those middle six guys. They paid them a ton, and now they're feeling the pressure because of it. The reason they've been able to win is because guys like Sorelli are on ELCs. Point was on an ELC and still playing great. So I I just think you need to be careful if you're the Oilers at pushing all your eggs in next season's basket. I think you need to. Yes, focus on winning now, but you need to have one eye on next season and another eye on years three, four, five, six of this window. But you also have to respect Connor McDavid's career, right? Like going yeah. into year six and only having one playoff run and four play-in games. I mean, you got what are we doing? But I think like if you go get a good goalie, like this Oilers team last season, before the pandemic, we were all sitting there going, oh, you know, they're going to be playing for home ice advantage here in round one and everything was looking great. Now you look back at that team and go, you know, do things play out differently against Chicago if you have a better goalie between the pipes, right? Or what but if, if my aunt, But if my auntie had testicles, she'd be my uncle. I know, but I'm saying, like, the team last year was not all these insane additions off. They were, you know, a really good goalie and a third-line, a right-handed third-line center away from winning that series, and then you never know. So I think... They need that's to, the best part. We don't need that much. So that's exactly. Why the time is now. So that's like, why I'm saying, like, you can get those things without giving up a ton. Like, you don't need to trade 14th overall to upgrade your goaltending. You don't need to trade your first round pick next season to go get help at a third line center. Like, you don't want to get so focused on next season that you put yourself in a bad spot down the road. It but we're also talking this, about an Oilers team that hasn't exactly drafted well in the first round either. Yamamoto, Broberg, and Bouchard look good, though. Yeah, but Yamamoto took three years to get to the show. Yeah. I mean, that that's, yeah, that happens, but it is standard for a mid-first-round pick. No, and I'm with you on that, and they do need cheap deals like that, but I also, you know, they need to win because Connor and Leon are here now, and they're playing well yeah. now. Yeah, and just like... My biggest fear is you get, you get too focused on winning now, and that's when you start getting 15 and 33 for Reinhardt because you think it puts you closer and all that. Like, I, ju- I just think there needs to all uh, these good organizations, they always find a way to have a balance. Well, 15 and 33 could have got you a much better player than Reinhardt. It's it, the trade wasn't the issue, it's, it's who we got back that's the issue. But that's what and I mean. That he was forcing his hand a bit. He was sitting there going, Oh crap, I got to win. So whatever these picks can get me, I'm going to do it. Yeah, well, they also like, they also let smarter and realize you shouldn't go for yeah. Griffin Reinhardt. Like there was probably a much better trade or a much better asset you could have acquired with that kind of currency mm-hmm. than Griffin Reinhardt. And the Oilers probably let a drowning man make trades for a full year longer yeah. than he should have. Yeah, like how good would Ryan Strom look on our roster? Like he was always you could always rely on him. He wasn't putting the points up, but he was always reliable. He did his job. 
And now you're seeing him get a little bit of opportunity and a little confidence in New York and see where that goes. Like, Jesus, like, it's like we have these assets and then we just like let them go away. And now we're like forced to like have to make some serious moves to try to get guys like that back. Okay, I have a question for you guys. I already know that Jay, I already know what his answer is going to be for this question. Tyler and Bag Milk, I'll present it to you guys. Do you see Evan Bouchard in the Edmonton Oilers and top four next season? And Chalmers. And Chalmers. <laughs> Sorry, Chalmers. I, Chalmers. I could see I could see Bouchard. I mean, whenever the Christmas equivalent is for the 2020-2021 season, whenever that happens, I could see Bouchard finishing the year with the Oilers. Sure. Chalmers, chime in. What do you think? I have no idea. All right. <laughs> Good insight. Chalmers is waiting for us what, to talk about Okay, okay what did you... There's so much stuff. I, I dozed off for a little bit, so I don't really know what you're talking about. Woke back up, and you're still talking to Oilers. So, I'll wait until you're done. <laughs> yeah, I think Bouchard could be a contributor next season, but uh, <laughs> but, but he's just I, waiting to talk about Big Brother. I can see it in his face. There's Big Brother. There's NBA playoffs. There's the U.S. Open. There's NFL football week one, and we're talking about Griffin. Fucking Reinhardt. Chalmers, this Good podcast Lord. gets released like, on yeah, OilersNation.com. Yeah, yeah, I know. I question why every day. <laughs> so, anyways, back to Bouchard. Uh, yeah, do I think back he to could... Bouchard. <laughs> do I think? I agree could... with Chalmers, though. We should talk U.S. Open later. I agree. Yeah, we can get into that. We're only twenty-four minutes no, into no, the no. podcast. Continue. You know what? No, hey, listen. I'm just I'm making jokes, but I know there's a lot of people that give a fuck about about this. But uh, yeah, it's, what's my what's my view on Bouchard? I think he's great. I think he's just is awesome defenseman. <laughs> Killer. Hey, I'm still I'm still trying to work out my uh, my pick'em bet for this week. Uh, I did that. One anyway. sec. I'm writing down that Traumers quote on Bouchard. So I'm going to post it. I think Bouchard could be a contributor next season, but I think you're foolish to go into this off season and say, we can bank on him to be that guy yeah. next year. Right? Like, I think you need to do the same thing you've done now with Jones and Jones and bear where you sit there and go, okay, let's, you know, make them force your hand before you throw them into the lineup. And now they've done that to the point where, you know, you can trade Chris Russell comfortably knowing that your left side still has cleft bomb nurse and now Caleb Jones down there as well. Do I look at the right side and say you can bank on Bouchard so you trade Larson? No, you don't do that. Could that change halfway through the season? Maybe. It, it could. Halfway through the season, could it be Bouchard's playing so good you feel Benning is expendable? Potentially. But right now, I don't think he is. So, you know, I'm yeah. confident Bouchard can be that guy, but I'm not ready to sit here and, you know, build my roster around that. And they still got to re-sign Matt Benning, so that's a whole new story to see what they do with that. But So, to qualify him, and he's got Arbrights too, but... To qualify him, it's just over two. And I just have that feeling with Benning where local guy, you know, he just had a kid here. He's married here. Uh, you get the sense he loves being an oiler. Um, I even know his parents in the season seats where me and my dad sit. Two rows in front of us, a couple seats to the right. Matt Benning's parents sit there. Like, I Do they talk to each other? Uh, do his parents talk to each other? I would assume yeah. so. I've been in a couple games actually where Benning scores, and I love it because you look at their reaction when he scores. It, it is heartwarming, uh, for lack of a better term. But with Benning, I wonder if the Oilers could go to him and say, "Listen, we cannot pay you two million dollars to be our third million or our third pairing defenseman, but what if we gave you a three-year deal that gave you some security, and it's one and a half million a season? So you're guaranteeing yeah. yourself four and a half million, one and a half for a guy who can play on your third pairing." I mean, even if he's your seventh D at that price, you don't really care. And then for Benning, you sit there and go, yeah, I'll take a three-year deal and I'm a UFA at 29. I can cash in one more time before my career's done. Oh, and I'd already have four, at least four and a half million in my pocket. I wonder and if there's a Stanley a deal Cup like potentially. Yeah, then that's what I mean, right? Like if he catches fire on this Oilers back end in three years, you're a UFA or your trade value gets high, you get dealt somewhere. Like I, I think, I wonder if a two or three-year deal worth, you know, half a million less than his qualifying offer works for both Benning and the Oilers. That can make a lot of sense. Agreed. I I, he'll, like want to stay, he'll want to stay in Edmonton, for sure. Yeah. I don't know why he wouldn't, but he'll take a discount. Unless the Oilers, unless there's a lot of teams that want a guy like that, and the Oilers get something crazy in a trade, but I can't see that happening either. All right. Real Life Podcast brought to you by uh, not just Jappa, but Oodle Noodle as well. We're going to transition into some Big Brother talk in 
just a second here. But before we do that, uh, what's the latest charity news from our friends at Oodle Noodle? Well, you got to check out the video Josh uh, shot uh, for our for this week's charity partner, Kids Force. It is uh, we are one with nature, and Mother Nature flexes and shows that she is the boss. So check out the video this week. We're supporting Kids Force. Uh, great local charity helping kids get pay registration fees that can't afford it to play sports, which is very important. And they're doing a big event with George Larocque coming up as well. So shout out to Kids Sport, always doing great stuff. Kids Sport, of course, has great ties to Alfonso Davies as well, who's doing some fantastic stuff for Canada on the world stage, or I mean, uh, you know, putting Canada on the map a little bit in the international footy stage. All right. Where does one go to check out the video, Jared? Sorry, I was playing the Big Brother intro. Doesn't matter. I just want to know where to check out the video. He never said. Chalmers is oh. on Oodle Noodle Instagram, Oodle Noodle Twitter, and I think Facebook as well, Jay? Yeah, and I believe Bag Milk shared it across uh, the nation's social accounts, too. I did. Beautiful. Yeah. I had a Mongolian box last night. It was spicy. Excellent. So good. Well, you, by doing that, you helped uh, contribute to a kid's uh, registration fee. So, thank you. I was happy. Previously on Big I just finished watching this episode like 30 minutes ago, 35 minutes ago. So it's all fresh in my memory. Oh, dude, you, how good was it? Like, it's about fucking time. Yeah. We, I know we said that last week, like shit's getting ramped up. But that went to a next level last night. And uh, I, uh, I can't wait for it, man. It's fucking unreal. It, it finally went from everyone just trying to be friends to like, it seems like there's some strategy starting to come out here and some big brother. Um, which is great. I, I don't love it because I like both Ian and Tyler. Uh, Josh, no Twitter spoilers, but who do you guys think is going to stay out of those two? I haven't looked on Twitter. Don't worry. I don't know anything. Good. I think Ian stays. Really? I think I think no. Tyler stays because he's well, got the... Well, no. Everyone wants to know. Sorry. I, I think this is... Uh, I don't know why the fuck I thought that. I just have a soft spot for Ian. Sorry. Tyler's going to stay, and I think this is going to be the end of Danny in the committee. Yeah. Agreed. My question is, since when the heck were Nicole and Ian such best friends? Like, Nicole is just up in arms about the fact that Ian's about to go home. And, like, where was that all season? They didn't show it in the production. Like, uh, they showed the final, like, their final two discussion at the very beginning. Yeah. But they showed no interaction, interaction. With, them, with them. No. no. And, like, and like they're in, they're Nicole in, is in Tyler's alliance. alliance. And all of a sudden, now and she's like, like, no, Ian, can't, can't go home. home. I just don't understand. Is everyone hearing the voice echo? Yeah, I hear it. I hear it. Wow, we're in the future, future. This is weird. Oh, it's better now? I don't know, is it? Yeah, it's better now. Yeah, better now. Was that you, Chalmers? Oh, Chalmers is gone. Something tells me it was Chris Chalmers. It's okay. He'll come back, I'm sure of it. Oh, yeah, he's back. There you go. Hey, Chalmers. Uh, Chalmers, who do you think is going home this week? This week, man, I don't know, but we're losing somebody that I like, and that's one of the hard hard weeks, and that's what's one of the hard things. And um, when Ian said that, he's on the block as the ultimate pawn and that he's looked at as future or past winner, past winner. Um, I don't know. I, I, I believe that's going to be uh, Tyler. I do. I believe, really? but well, here's the thing. <clears throat> so I had this conversation with somebody yesterday and I, and I, and I had a tough time explaining my thoughts to it, but like, I know that the committee, I know that the Alliance that Dave on and the slick sticks were in is dead, but ultimately the committee plus Dave on are still close. Right and, and, so, and Enzo, Enzo isn't part of the committee. Exactly, and Enzo. So by Davon doing what she did, she said something that was super poignant the other day, and that was, "I got my first taste of power, and you see how it goes." And when she said that, and when Danny was trying to talk her out of using the power, I believe that she got very stubborn there and didn't yeah. realize that bringing in one Kevin is not going to outweigh losing a Tyler, a Danny a Cody by proxy and Enzo. And she doesn't know that Memphis is working with them, but Christmas has obviously voiced her opinion. Like she's losing. Uh, she's going home next week. If she doesn't win head of household, in my that? opinion, I 100% I think, agree. I think that she fucked up so bad right now because she was so, so short sighted in being stubborn and, and finally having power. Think about how long she's played this game with zero power. Right. Yeah. And, most people's MOs when they get the veto are to just try to ruffle as little feathers as possible unless they have somebody on there that they absolutely need to get off. 
and she didn't need to get off Kevin. Kevin has no long-term staying power for her. And so to do that and ruffle a bunch of feathers was so short-sighted to me. And I tried to explain that to somebody and they were like, well, no, she doesn't, she's not with them. And I'm like, she might not be with the power, but to say that she's going to do that and then to basically use that as leverage to get back into the good graces of the power, even though I know it's a, you know, it's, it's a bit of thin ice there with all of them. That's a better move than getting rid of, uh, than, than doing what she did and using the veto. And so, so I just believe that Tyler has the numbers. So I'm going to change my answer. I believe that Ian goes home and I believe he doesn't deserve to. And I believe that everybody in the house right now, because they were put in this brutal decision that they have ultimately by Dave Vaughn, they're going to blame her for it. And she's going to be gone. I, I I think I, well, yes and no. I think, I think they're going to actually, this is setting the path for the committee to turn on Danny and Danny's in trouble next week. Oh, I believe Tyler. I I agree. Tyler was suspicious for obvious reasons. She kind of reneged on kind of what they talked about. She asked Cody to to vote him out too. That's important. Yeah, so there's there's too much there. I think Dave's going to be okay, uh, and I think the target next week, Danny. Interesting. So Tyler would need four to stay this week, I believe, is the math because there's nine people left, right? They're in a jury, so he would need four votes to stay. He's, and and he's he has, got Cody, Enzo, and for uh, sure. Cody, Chris Enzo, Memphis. and Christmas. So he needs one more, or it's a Memphis. tie break. Yeah, Memphis. There you go. If he can, Memphis, Memphis is in that original yeah. alliance, yeah. the committee. Yeah. So Tyler, I absolutely loved it. When Danny was like, hey, will you vote out Tyler? And Cody's like, no. Yeah, straight I'm not up. voting out Tyler. That was awesome. Straight up, not voting him out. Nope, not happening. Um, like, that was that. She just made her bed there. That yeah. was like, oh, yeah. My favorite part of the episode, to be honest, was when, uh, man, the guy is pure entertainment because of oh, how bad he is. Yeah. At the I knew you were going to say that. Is when David walks around being like, did you save me with the power? Did you save me with the power? And Cody couldn't even entertain the question. He just kind of locked him bro? out of the room. What are, you, what are you doing, bro? And puts his arm around him and like, are, are you serious? Every time, best, uh, every time oh a slight blessing comes into David's game, he finds a way, like, when Davon and Bailey approached him, we're like, hey, like, we're going to work with you. And he was like, no, I'm not going to work with you. I was like, bro, what? When Tyler <laughs> gives him the olive branch, he fucks it up. Uh, he wins a competition and pulls himself off the block and still finds a way to come off as just a dummy. It's like, it's like, it's like he watched the season once and saw that somebody got sympathy for crying. And he's like, I got to do that. And yeah. he had no idea how to, like, angle it and place it and did it at the exact wrong moment. When he oh, says to Kevin... When he says to Kevin, Kevin, did you save me? Kevin's like, no, David, I would have saved myself. Like, man, so stupid. It's the best. Because he, he could have gone. He's crushing it. Yeah. He yeah. thinks he's crushing Big Brother. Because That's he could have gone to. Thing. He could have gone to Danny and he said, is. "Listen, I have this power. I have it for the next three weeks." Uh, put me on the block if you want, but I'll just save myself. He could have done something like that, yeah, but instead yeah. he went to go with this weird angle of being like, yeah. oh, did you save me? Did you save me? It was hilarious. That made and me like, laugh he, out loud. When he's crying at the table and they're all like, dude, you should be ecstatic. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. He like, man, are you <laughs> the stupidest person Read I've ever seen? the tea leaves, bro. When, when Memphis said that to him, he's like, buddy, why are you crying? <laughs> yeah, you should be so happy. You should be ecstatic. Static. Uh, but, but the hey, best part kudos was to him for being able to turn on the waterworks though. Oh please. That's a, that was impressive. But then when she he went to Davon and he's like, Did you save me? And Davon put her arm around him and goes, Honey, ain't nobody saving you except yourself. We all know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that was my thing being able to cry in the spot is is a talent. That's impressive. Yeah, you can you cry for me right now, Chomer? Put me in a house for thirty days with you? And missing my family, and I could cry in a fucking millisecond, bro. That's fair, no, not bro. right now. I can't cry. What do I have to do? I go look inside okay. this job and see the things that aren't getting done. Think yeah, about I'll the pizza. That, think about the pizza got thrown out. The think about that, yeah. Pizza? Yeah. <laughs> Slurpees are no more. They're, all they're that done. good, all that good pizza being chucked away right now. <laughs> yeah. That could be sold to great men like you. I had my first Slurpee of the year the other day. Oh, Ooh, wow. what flavor did you get? Uh, they have like a new like electric mango or something like that. Citrus, uh, yeah. Citrus, yeah, yeah. citrus lemonade. Citrus. Yeah, Chalmers knows. <laughs> that was good. 
I love the citrusy flavor. Like I'm a big fan of like a mango flavoring in something. So that was delicious to me. Um, I think that covers all the big brother talk. Um, oh, did you guys see my tweet about uh, when I was golfing earlier this week? Yeah, no. So I oh, go we're playing with Dell Stars. Yeah, so I go to the ranch and uh, the one of the he, I think he's like the GM there or something, Murray McCourt. I ran into him before I went into pay. So I'm chatting with him a little bit, and he goes, "Oh, you came on a good day. The Dallas Stars are going to be here right away." And I'm like, oh, no shit. Like, you didn't have to book the whole day off for them or whatever. So I'm talking to him about the process of, like, how the Dallas Stars coming there works. And he told me uh, about a month ago that the NHL reached out to him on, like, a Friday or something. And was like, hey, can we book this Sunday for the NHLers to come golf there? And he basically had to tell them, like, no, I have regulars golfing at that point. Um, But so the Dallas Stars were there when I was golfing on Tuesday. Was not a very nice day out. It was pretty chilly for most of the day. So the Dallas Stars got a nice dose of Alberta golf. But um, I don't know if any of you guys, have any of you guys ever golfed at the ranch? Yeah. 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 So you know where the snack shack is by the 10th hole? Yeah. So yeah. We, we played our front nine and Murray told me they had like some benches set up by the maintenance shed at the ranch and they had like, some coolers with drinks out there and all that so that they could have the players there. When it was their turn to tee off, they'd cart them basically right to the first tee. There were security guards all over the ranch. When we ended the ninth hole, we go to the snack shack and there's a security guard standing by the bathroom. He's like, you can't use these bathrooms. They're only for the NHLers. So you had to like go inside to go to the bathroom and then come back out. Um, we play our back nine. We teed off on 10 at the same time that Sagan, Ben, Pavelski, Perry, and there was two more. I think Cogliano might have wanted. They're playing in a group of six. And then they had a documentary crew following them and all that shit. Uh, they told me that when they were golfing, each group had an NHL employee that was supposed to be with them. So if they wanted something like from the cart girl, the NHL employee would like go get it and sanitize it and bring it to them. Uh, and then when we were finishing up, I returned my cart and I look and they just had coolers in front of the snack shack just for the players to go up and grab. So Corey Perry was about to tee off on 10 and he goes, opens up the cooler, reaches in, comes out with four Bud Lights, walks back to his cart. Was no like, way. You could have a cup final game in like two nights and you were just crushing Bud Lights on the golf course right now. Uh, it, it was hey, it worked hard. Yeah, it was cool to see, though. Like, it was cool to see the setup they had, all the NHL employees, like, circling around everywhere, running them food and shit. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. And they have to. And they, they have to do that, man. Yeah. Like, it's like that. They have to do that. But, I, I wouldn't have balked for two seconds and been like, look at these NHL treatment. Like, yeah. every single thing these people touch need to be. It, could you imagine losing one of the cup finalists? Yeah. <laughs> The, like week before the cup final. But that's oh why I was even surprised. Like I went up to the restaurant after I'm grabbing a bite to eat and the NHL employee was like running in and out getting food orders for them. And I'm like, they're walking like right past me here. And I know it takes a lot more time for like the virus to potentially be transmitted. But like, what if I was sick and I like touched the same door handle as this NHL? And like, that's how it could be passed almost, right? Like, yeah. Oh, jeez, my mic is shit now. Well, um, he's, he's, he's the human shield. Like that person's yeah, the human shield. So, they they sanitize and turn it over to them, and 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 probably would have created that layer of protection. But they're the one that gets the virus, not the player. I suppose, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure some of the Dallas Stars were at the uh, the quarry a few weeks ago as well. Don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure that one of my bosses, because like that's one of my other jobs, that were yeah. at the quarry, and uh, I'm pretty sure they said that some of the scratches were there one day as well. So. And I'll be more impressed by Corey Paris. He's crushing four BLs the day of a game, like MJ yeah. did when we learned in, uh, you know, the last day. Yeah. Corey Perry parties. Oh, yeah. for sure. You I've just, got a lot of those boys parties. You, uh, you just reminded me of the last dance, bag milk. And isn't it a stark contrast of like three months ago when the only sports we had in our lives were like golf tournaments on the weekend and then sitting down on Sunday to watch the last dance when it was released. Like that's all we could talk about. And now it's just fucking (laughs) loaded. Like there's like six games on tonight. I want to watch the best. I love the last dance. The last dance was amazing. Yeah. Um, One of the big games that's on tonight, Jay, your Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Hashtag redemption city. Bakes going off, OBJ, for you fantasy owners, like myself, he is putting up 15 minimum. I fucking need OBJ to have a good week for me. Jesus, he was shitting week one. Sometimes your heart can steer you in a wrong direction. Did you not see the body language between those two last week? Well, OBJ is a pouty pout pout. No. You know that. I'll bet you you that after week three, when he hasn't broken... 65 yards a game with zero touchdowns 
week three, he starts demanding trade. He starts getting seriously worked up. In game one, with no preseason, and he's throwing up his hands, Baker Mayfield missed him a couple times really a bad. A couple or like 20 times? Yeah, and OBJ don't play that. He's going to be freaking out pretty soon here if this continues. And what happens is, is he's going to, the more pressure you have to try to force it to him, the worse it's going to get. And it's, yeah. I don't see this going anywhere but bad. Well, I'm trying to maintain positive Chalmers because everything you saw and you think, I have seen and think as, as well, <laughs> but I'm trying to keep the, the, the mojo positive. So to kind of pour that into who my pick is this week, I am doubling down on the Browns to spank Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals tonight. You're going to take the Browns minus six? It's the Bengals. Is that what it is? Title. Minus six? Yeah. It's minus six. What's the money line? The money line uh, it's is plus two twenty for the uh, for the Bengals. Minus two forty four really? on Cleveland. I I don't minus mind two forty four. What's the alt line? Because I'd be taking that. The minus 50, minus twelve minus ten and a half. Like the biggest spread you can bet. Yeah. What's the alt line? Ten and a half. The one's going to give me some yeah. juice. Ten, ten and a half. Yeah, I'm not touching that. Okay, so Vegas. Jay, you went first on your lock of the week. You're saying Browns minus six tonight. You're calling that your lock of the week. This is my last week of, of, of betting with my heart. Oh, so, for okay. those of you who can empathize, sympathize, uh, and are a fellow heart better, let's do this. Uh, and then, and then from there, we'll get calculated for the rest of the season. I'll go to everyone else for your locks of the week. Uh, reminder: Last week we went two and two against the spread because Jay picked the Browns, Bagnuk picked the Eagles, which was a wash. Chalmers took the Bills, love it. I took the Eagles, and they uh, fucked me over. So. Uh, this week, we're going to try to do a little bit better than that. Jay is starting tonight. Browns minus six. Uh, I'll go next year. I don't mind hopping in quickly. And I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm on Odd Shark right now going to take a look at what the line is. It opened up at five and a half, which again goes to show why sometimes you need to jump on these lines really, really quick. Because KC minus five and a half against LA feels like a lock. It's now shifted to eight and a half on most sports books. So, I still like that. I like KC to win by at least 10 even, but I'm going to take Chiefs minus eight and a half. That is my lock of the week. I like the that fact, one. I like that one. That's insane. That they opened at five and a half. That's absurd. It's fucked. The other crazy yeah. one, actually, that I jumped on. How about this for a bet? I saw that the Rams were underdogs. They were two and a half point underdogs on Bodog to start the week, right when they were dropped. So I went and I did a little teaser bet, which I'm a big fan of. So we talked to Scott Hastings about it a little bit as well. Um, and I parlayed. I got the Rams, bought six points. So I got them all the way up to uh, plus, plus eight and a half. And I parlayed it with the Chiefs. And I bought them down. By that point, they were up to, to eight and a half already. But I bought them down to minus two and a half. And that's a $20 parlay. Pays even money. Just quick. Nice little quick teaser. That is nice and quick. So you want me to go now? Yeah, you can go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so last week, you guys know I took the Bills minus the six and a half, and they dummied the Jets by 10. Yep. This week, I think the most lopsided line on that board right now is the Bills again with the six-point favorite over the Dolphins, but I'm not going to take that. That Bills team was handy. I'm, I just don't want – I could take the Bills probably every year because or every week because they're going to get disrespected, uh, yeah. you know, Josh Allen's going to have a bad game, but I do not believe it's going to come against the Dolphins. So the real line I'm going to take, and I'm going to take a, um, I'm going to do this thing where I take a dog, actually. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to be taking the Minnesota Vikings. They are a plus three (laughs) against the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are favored by three. Now, the Vikings, they put up a lot of points against the uh, Green Bay Packers, but they lost. Um, the Indianapolis Colts didn't seem to be able to muster much offense and, and lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So for them to be favored by three, even though they are at home, I believe that home field advantage is, you know, it, it, it's like half there. You know what I mean? There's the travel. I get yeah. that. But the fans don't really make a difference. So I'm going to be taking the Vikings plus the three. I believe that that is my talk oh. of the week. I don't I see how they don't cover. I think they're going to I think they're going to win it outright. 
I think that's a great bet. And yeah, I think they'd win all right. Cause you know, you know, Phillips good for two INTs minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I mean, he, like, he's still learning his offense. He's still learning his personnel and stuff. Um, the Vikings, they got the same, same group of characters there. You know, I, I just, I think they sputtered out of the gate the first week. And I think they're going to come back strong this week after, uh, after getting a little bit of, uh, their legs underneath them. Yeah, they're going to trounce them. I would support that, Chalmers. Bag milk? You got I like it, Chalmers. You're Chalmers one to know bag milk. It. Chalmers didn't take it, so I'm taking the Bills. Bills minus Atta six boy. against the Dolphins. I love it. I'm yeah, going to be rocking my Josh Allen jersey for you this weekend. Thank you. I was going to take KC, but you did, so I'm yeah. going to change gears. Chalmers didn't <laughs> take it, so I'm going with the Bills. I'm going for 2-0 and on the NFL season. Josh, you want to give us a lock of the week since you're here? Yeah, yeah, I'll give it to you. Absolutely lock it down. I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars plus nine against the Titans. I think the fact that the Jaguars won last week, Gardner Minshew threw three touchdowns. And He's legit. Fact, he is legit. Minshew is legit. I'm Minshew mania right now. Plus He's nine Ryan Jaguars. Fitzpat- He's cover. Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. He's going to throw for three touchdowns one game, one game and then four INTs the next. And that could be it. That could be it. I, either the Jaguars are going to get blown out or they're going to crush the Titans, one of the two. But the fact that the cover right now is plus nine, I think they can do that. So like that's my that lock. Ballsy. Jaguars that's plus nine. How about this for a teaser? You go three picks. You take the Vikings. You take the Jags. You take the Bills. You tease it six points. So you get the Jags all the way up to 14 and a half. You get the Vikings to plus nine. You take the Bills at even at nothing at a pick em, and a three-bet parlay on that teaser will pay plus 150. Huh? That's not a bad bet right ah. there. Right check. Put that put that bet in, and I, I'll put 20. I'll back you 20 on it. You want me to put that bet in, and you'll... Why don't you just do the bet? I'm, I am going to do it, though, because well, I actually really like that. Tyler, can you be my buddy? I don't know. Can I, I don't know how to put that in for me? Are you asking him to do a legal act and book your bet uh, for you? I don't know how to tease. Yeah, Tyler, you're my bookie. Book it. I can't do that. I don't want to incriminate like, give, myself. Give me the Jags plus nine, three hundred. Just, beca- <laughs> just because I really, just because I wanted to, uh, I wanted to mention this game because this was going to be my ballsy pick for the week, but I'm not taking it. But the 49ers only favored by seven over the Jets. I got to you know on after the a, after a this like a you know just a disheartening loss to the Cardinals where they just didn't seem ready. I know that they're missing some pieces. I know that Kittle's down with a knee. I know that Richard Sherman's down with a calf, but Kittle, I don't Kittle's care. saying he's playing. Kittle's well, saying and, he's and playing. Well, and he probably Kittle's will because he's, he's one of the toughest guys in the NFL. The Jets are the Jets, and that's why. That's my reasoning, because the Jets are the Jets, and Adam Gase is probably going to get fired if they lose. Fair enough. So bad. <laughs> yeah, they are. I watched them against the Bills last week. They are fucking terrible. They're not a very good oh, football team. They're just awful. Man. So if you bad. Have a survivor, if you have a survivor pick and, you, and you're in a survivor league, just pick any, anyone that's playing the Jets. Fair enough. Uh, a couple updates quickly from some fun nation things we are doing. Uh, we got our nation real life fantasy league where uh, yours truly is off to a one and zero start. Squeaked it out by eight points. Chalmers, you were looking to bounce back this week. I'm trying to make up who all the team names are, but uh, I know that's the hardest. That's the hardest part with when I get when I get the uh, the buy in to figure out who actually paid because yeah. their real name Ooh. sends me the buy in, and then I've got to match it with the. With the uh, the mat with their their team name, I gotta send you money still. Uh, so we got I do not know who that is. Uh, Merck's Jerry Judy Garland, who I believe that's Electronic Jordan. Gimme Gimme yes. more and number one draft pickle. Those are your one and O teams so far in the NFL fantasy. And if you guys remember, we did a bit of a hockey pool. We did a you know a little uh, pick 'em box pool at the start of the NHL playoffs. <laughs> oh yeah. And if you guys remember, after the qualifying round, I was in dead last. And I said, don't you worry. My team is built for a second-half charge. And what did I do? I went from dead last after the qualifying round. I was in 29th. I shot all the way up. I am now running away with this thing. I am in first place with 467 points. Second place, Nation Dan, who is 29 points back of me, heading into, well, we could be in the Stanley Cup final by tomorrow morning. So I just wanted to flex a little. and uh, break Where am I? Uh, who's, who's carrying you in this? Uh, so in this one, I took a bunch of Dallas stars. Ah, uh, yeah. Nice. So, Jamie Ben. Yeah, I, like the guys I still have left, I have Kucherov, I have Tampa Bay as the team, I got Ben, Klingberg, Sagan, and Braden Point as well as the other Lightning I have. So, yeah, Ben, Sagan, Klingberg have just been uh, carrying this one for me. 
been fun. Chalmers, unfortunately, you are in dead last. Uh, Mimamoto's yeah, in third. Uh, Bag Milk, you're in the top 10. You're sitting in 10th. So good job. Jay, you're down. I don't even know who's on my team. Ah, well. Well, you know what? Once again, we're we're realizing picking things with your heart when it comes to (laughs) sports is a very dangerous play. But I will tell you one thing. (laughs) I will tell you one thing. I was in four different DraftKings drafts this weekend for the different like times of football. It's like the morning, the afternoon, the evening, the Monday, and I I I won money in two of four. Wow, that's good. Are you like cash so games my, or double ups? Or double GPPs, ups or tournaments or double ups? Come on, like li- no, like live a little. Double ups are boring. I always do. However much I put into like a tournament or GPP or whatever, I'll put that on a double up as well. Uh, I will. Hey, full it's a safety net. Three years ago, three years ago, I, I went to Hawaii uh, over the holidays, and I was able to take out a thousand US for my DraftKings account because wow. I hit. I won. I went. I had two big weekends where I placed in like the top five. I, I think I was second in one and fourth in the other, and like on like ten dollar entry one. So those paid really dear. I played. Um, so I played slow pitch against a guy who told me he won the Millie Maker. What? Oh, that there was that there was that was like a consortium of like ten or twelve guys, right? They were like, uh, that, 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 that won that. This guy said, I think it was like he and his brother ended up splitting it, and. Uh, he t- tells me this while he's wearing a DraftKings hat and a pair of DraftKings shorts. And he was like, yeah, when I won, they sent me like a whole package of like hoodies and hats and shirts and shit. And yeah, he said him and his brother won it. And I, I was a little bit skeptical because I'm like, okay, sure. You won a million bucks playing daily fantasy sports. And he actually like told me the whole story of like, yeah. So I picked this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy heading into the afternoon games. I had these three players. The guy who was in second was really close to me. He had these two players. And he was like, it's the most nervous I've ever been. I was almost throwing up for the entire afternoon games. Because it's first place wins like a mil and second place wins like 200K or something like that, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. So it's like an 800K jump from first to second, which is insane. Yeah, I never go into those big ones because of just, I, I want a smaller pool. So I always play the one that, that it's got like either like anywhere between, that allows a total between 300 and 1,000 entries. Okay. I like that because to me mentally, I feel like I've got a better chance at winning. So I always enter those ones, and I get in it between the three and ten dollar entry fee level, based on how I'm feeling about the game. Like when I see yeah. like who's available, like there's some times where like you set a roster and you're like, "Fuck did I like yes?" And like yeah. you, you felt like you nailed it, and you go out and you you you, you place in some dough. So that's always fun. I always do that too. I'll make a bunch of lineups just in free contest, and then I go through on the Sunday, and I kind of you know which ones am I feeling really good about, and I enter those ones in like the bigger bigger games. Anyways, awesome. good daily fantasy talk, guys. That was uh, that was a good episode two fourteen of the Real Life Podcast. We started with some Oilers. That was fun. Good Big Brother chat. Gave our NFL picks. We'll be back on uh, Monday when. Wanye says he has a great story for us. That'll be fun. And we also have Scott Hastings from Oddshark. So uh, another good show lined up for you on Monday. Josh Park, thanks for hopping in and uh, pinch hitting for Wanye today. Always a pleasure, boys. Anytime. I'm happy to be here. All right. For Jay, Beg Milk, Chalmers, I'm Tyler Uremchuk. And, uh, and also for Japan Machinery, our number one sponsor. We love them very much. This has been episode 214 of the Real Life Podcast. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.